Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Darnold flushed out. Williams giving chase. Darnold escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires end zone. It's caught. Anderson. Incredible play by Darnold. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this New Year's Eve edition of the show, the last show of 2018. But the good news is, however many weekdays there are in uh, 2019, Kyle and I will be here to give you a podcast and looking forward to an awesome year of, uh, of building Draft Dudes and talking football with you. 52 weeks a year, five days a week. Kyle, welcome to the show. It's freaking draft season, Joe. Yes. It's a, the, the season is over. It's Black Monday. By the time you're listening to, to this, somebody's probably already been fired. We're recording on Sunday night. I'm driving down to Ocean City, Maryland in my car. And uh, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And uh, let's uh, let's see who... Who's uprooting the foundations of their franchises, Joe? Yeah, we'll, we'll get into a lot of that. I, I'm happy to hear that the Jag. Well, no, I, I think the Jaguars are a mess. Honestly, I think that they just have identified bad personnel in terms of fitting people together. And we talk about fits and being, having the right makeup. They've got a roster full of guys that don't do that. But I was happy to hear that uh, the Panthers are committed to Ron Rivera. I think that moving on him would have would have been a bit of a mistake. But obviously. Uh, we're, we're not here to talk about the coaching carousel, Kyle. It is Sam Darnold day on the draft dudes podcast. Just like we did with Josh Rosen on Friday, we are going to dedicate this podcast to talking about Sam Darnold and what we thought he was as a prospect, what we learned about him this year, and then what the New York jets need to do to build around Sam Darnold for the future to maximize his skill set. So, uh, shall we? Yes, we shall. And we're probably going to talk about a coaching change here in New York, but that's okay. Yeah. So that's, that is interesting, (laughs) right? Like we don't know who his head coach is going to be probably not Todd Bowles. uh, But Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll have plenty of conversations about that when we find out who it's going to be. Uh, Kyle, what'd you think about Darnold Mm -hmm. entering the NFL? Uh, Sam was the one, you know, we talked about the five franchise quarterbacks that went in the first round of this past year's draft. And Sam was the one that, I was the most conflicted about because I had strong feelings towards you know, some on each end of the spectrum. But Sam was the one where he had a lot of reps that you really, really liked. But then his, his valleys were pretty low too, as far as the ball security and the mistakes that he would make. And uh, once he kind of got off script and off schedule, you had a lot of mixed results. You had some boneheaded decisions, but then you also had those throws that made your eyeballs pop out and say, oh, wow, like this kid's really got some unique arm talent and an eye for finding big plays when he gets off script. So Sam, for me, ended up being an, an early second round valuation. I believe it was 46th on my draft board. But again, you know, we said this on the Josh Rosen show. If you're going to be an NFL franchise and you don't have a franchise quarterback. And if you have anything that resembles a first round grade on a guy like Sam Darnold, 
you can justify taking him as high as you want. And that's exactly what the Jets did at third, uh, three overall. And uh, while that might not have been a great value of the pick versus what I saw in the pre-draft process, you have to be really encouraged about the development that you've seen from Sam, because obviously he had the great game against Detroit to start. Uh, yeah. Against Detroit to start yep. the season. But then there was the valleys and a lot of turnovers. But the last couple of weeks, you started to see that good side of Sam Darnold again that that you have to be encouraged about. And I think he's rolling into the offseason with some good momentum. Yes. So, Kyle, for me, entering the NFL, uh, had a two on Sam Darnold, my 48th player on the board. So uh, I think that was kind of similar to what we had with uh, Rosen, where we yes. had similar value. Right. Uh, here's my summary from my scouting report that I wrote on him. I said, Darnold's ability to throw with anticipation, diagnose coverages and work progressions and deliver an accurate ball, make him an ideal fit for a Coriel offense. His mechanical flaws and struggle speeding up his process against pressure packages could be problematic in a West Coast system where he's required to have a quick trigger. Despite being rough around the edges, Darnold flashes high-level ability in several critical areas of quarterback play and warrants a high selection based on his upside. Given his age and experience, Darnold should not be relied upon to be a year-one starter, but his upside is that of a franchise quarterback by year three. So, um, Until the Denver and Indianapolis games, you know, it wasn't that impressive for Darnold. And then he has a few more blunders of starts. He wants to throw in a bunch of interceptions in the Minnesota game, Miami game. And then he got right. And then he came back. And his first game against the game against Houston and Green Bay, I thought were really good examples of peak Darnold. And I know that I mentioned that I didn't see him as a starter right away. And I think just like we're going to talk about with Josh Allen on, on Wednesday, Darnold really benefited from some time away where he was able to observe, see someone else do his job, see that person get coached up. And I thought he, I think that was a benefit to him after he came back from that foot injury. And I'm not trying to sit here and say, well, yeah, I was right that he shouldn't have started because I, I do think there's a lot of value in, in, fail, in failing forward and being coached through and getting those live reps. But uh, I think Darnold certainly peaked at times, but then started really playing his best football late in the season after he came back from injury, which is encouraging, right? You want to see guys kind of finish on a high note. He was, hey, look, I'm not going to put a lot of stock into the week 17 loss to the Patriots where, you know, he was pretty mediocre for that game. And, and that entire Jets team was kind of deflated with some of their issues throughout the week. And that's the distractions, obviously, with the future of their coaching situation. But uh, really encouraging the Bills game, the Texans game, the Packers game, uh, uh, what he can do. And then I thought for the Bills game and and the Denver game, and even the Indianapolis game, we saw Sam Darnold be the reason why the Jets won a football game. So the peaks were there, man. And I think that there's a lot to be excited about with Darnold, especially as young as he is. He was just a redshirt sophomore coming in, and he's got a bright future. I think the Jets certainly should feel very good about uh, about having their guy. And uh, certainly, uh, yeah, I had a lot of concerns about those mechanics, Kyle. And I'm interested if you have any thoughts on why that didn't limit him as much as maybe I thought it would, uh, you know, uh, going into the process. Well, I do have a thought there, but I also do think it's worth noting, you know, we both just offered that Sam Darnold, you know, is giving Jets fans in that franchise a reason to be excited. And we've also said he's kind of what we expected he was going to be, where there are ups and downs. Yeah. And we're sitting here telling everyone listening, we had Sam Darnold rated in the low forties on our boards. And I would ask 
you know, if you have a hard time kind of grasping that, I would say this, the concept of an outsider evaluators board, think of it as a risk assessment, maybe not necessarily establishing a, um, a grade specifically for a player. Uh, and if you're looking to assess the kind of risk that's present with a ja or a Sam Darnold, there's more risk than with those other guys. So uh, hopefully that can provide a little bit of context as far as how we can sit here and say, you know, Sam Darnold is somebody who is who we thought he was. Yeah, Joe, to be honest with you, um, the mechanics thing surprised me as well in the fact that I was expecting much more of a learning curve from, from Sam and the limitations that that would impose on him as a player. And it really just seemed like it was decision-making. So maybe as he adds a little bit more polish to his game and he's able to really, you know, as the game slows down and the simple mistakes are eliminated, that may be where we see those mechanics come and come into play when he tries to get a little bit too greedy and knows it's going to be a risky throw, but heck, I can fit it in there. Uh, because it's, it felt to me like the turnovers and the mistakes that he made, they were just silly misreads of the defense. So I think as his game refines further, that may be where we see some of that mechanical restrictions in his game settling. Yeah, and he still turned over the ball quite a bit. 15 interceptions this year, uh, had some fumbles, and, and that was something that was carrying over from USC where it, it was it was some bad decisions, but it was also just protecting the football when, when he was getting hit, uh, either getting sacked or, or as a runner. So uh, something to still clean up there. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing that's interesting about Darnold throughout the course of the year, like I think maybe we had some criticism, maybe not we, but there's been some criticisms towards him uh, because he didn't make a lot of high caliber throws, a lot of, uh, you know, big time throws, if you will. It was a lot of taking what the defense uh, gave him and finding completions. And that's OK. To me, that's OK, given some of the concerns that we had uh, with him going into the league. But then I thought as the season went on, he started making some of those big time throws that you say, OK, that's special. That's the type of stuff that not everybody can do all the time. And, and, and I thought that was really good. And, and I, I like that. I like that balance of, hey, we're going to find completions. We're going to take what the defense gives us. And then as you get more comfortable, starting to open things up. And I thought that happened uh, more and more as the season progressed. No, I totally agree. And it felt like what, like December was when yes. you started seeing Jets highlights. And it's like, oh, wow, like, Sam really stuck that one in there. And he was thrown with a little bit more confidence. So, uh, as I said with my original point, I, I just think, you know, the Patriots game aside, as you said, there's a lot of positivity in the month of December and the end of your rookie season that I think should really fo roll forward with some positive moments for the Jets. Especially after seven interceptions in a three-game span, four against Miami, three against Minnesota, before he got went out with that foot injury and then came back, right? Yeah, right. I, I like seeing that that growth and especially coming off of playing probably the worst football of his rookie season. Uh, Kyle, I don't think it's uh, uh, we need to be shy about it, but the Jets need to improve things around Sam Darnold. 
I mean, this isn't a Josh Rosen situation like we talked about on Friday, but this is a team that needs to to improve that infrastructure. And so one thing I liked about what we did with that discussion uh, about uh, Rosen was identifying the building blocks, uh, the guys that you think, okay, these are the offensive building blocks that can go with Sam Darnold. Obviously, most importantly, Sam Darnold's a building block. We feel good about him uh, being the guy there. Uh, I also feel really good about, and I, and I sure you, you agree with this is Chris Herndon at tight end. He was yes. a fourth round steal for them. He really came on and made, became a playmaker for them at the tight end position. I like him a ton. Uh, looking at the offensive line, I think we have a lot of question marks here, Kyle. I know that uh, Beecham's under contract for next year. Uh, Winters is as well, but you know, the rest of their, their group up there is, is a lot of free agents. Um, and a lot of their depth guys are free agents as well. So there's going to be a lot of new bodies in this offensive line room for, for the Jets for a position group that I thought was pretty underwhelming this season and, and certainly want to see the, the protection in the front five in front of Darnold improve. Now they've well, already hey, made real, go ahead. Yeah. Real quick, can I jump in on that? Because I think yes. that's an important thing to know. We're talking about potentially a coaching change. If you're going to have a change in philosophy, what better time to do it? your entire like your offensive line is up for grabs, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've they've got, as you said, contracts that are eligible to be negotiated and renewed with guys that they had as starters right now. But the vast majority of the off the offensive line, like you could give it or take it or leave it. So what a perfect time if you're going to make a coaching change and get a philosophical change in there to try and cater to Sam Darnold's strengths. And now let's build the infrastructure around him because we're changing the philosophy of the offense in any ways that we need to, to get the most out of Sam. Yeah. And, and even if they were to continue, I mean, like Spencer Long's a guy that's under contract next year. He had a bad year. I, I Brandon shell wind up playing a lot of tackle for them. Brian Winters is under contract. Kelvin Beecham's under contract. They, they can rely on those guys. And those guys are pretty average to slightly below average starters, but James Carpenter, free agent, Jonathan Harrison, free agent, Dakota Dozier hasn't really carved out a, an opportunity to play a lot on the offensive line, but he's a free agent. He's been a depth guy for them. So uh, we need upgrades. We need depth. We need a lot here. That's going to happen with this, this offensive line situation. Now the receiver situation is really interesting because uh, Robbie Anderson's a restricted free agent. He's 26. I mean, he's, he, I think he's their best receiver. And so he's a restricted free agent and anticipate he'll be back. He'll cost something, you know, he won't be cheap. Uh, but, you know, they need to make a, a decision if that's somebody that they want to commit, you know, big dollars to. But then they've they've already done that with Quincy Anuma. They signed him to four years, thirty six million dollars. And I'll be honest with you, Kyle, I don't love that. That's that's quite a bit of money for a player that I think has been pretty average. I mean, I, I don't think that you have a game changer in Quincy Anuma as your ex receiver. And so, you know. Maybe they like Burnett as a slot. Obviously, the familiarity there from his time at USC with Darnold. But like, if their if their top three receivers are going to be a Nunwa, Anderson, and Burnett, that I'm not be the answer. That's not very scary. Like, we, you and I are fans of teams in this division. Like, please let that be your your receivers because that doesn't scare me at all. Um, I would. I'm not going to gripe about the contract because I think in the grand scheme of things. Nine million per for a starting wide receiver is not an egregious amount of money. It's it's not, and they have 106 million in cap space, right? So right. They, they, they got tons of money. But I'm not saying you let a noon will walk. I'm not saying that it wasn't important for you to bring him back. But what I am saying, if this is your guy, 
If this is going to be the go-to guy for Sam well, Darnold? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> well, he, I mean, he, what has he shown you in three years? He was injured the one year, but I mean, what has he shown in three years that says, okay, this is a dude, this is a game changer. What I'm trying to say here is, is, is Darnold deserves a game changer at, at the receiver position. And so what I'm trying to say is I hope that they don't think bringing back Anderson, hoping Burnett evolves as a slot and thinking that a noon was to go to X that that they're good, right? I like I like that continuity, but like this doesn't stop you from identifying some some guys in the draft potentially on day two if they have any day two picks. I know traded half of them away. They can do something in the draft to get a guy that can be a dynamic option. That's what right. I'm trying it, to get at. It needs you either need a guy at the top of that food chain or you need a really really talented slot receiver to complement it. Yes, you need one or the other. I think. And, you know, a secondary tight end, I, I know they've still got Jordan Leggett there. Yeah. But a secondary tight end to kind of compliment Chris Hearn and maybe a guy that's a little bit more of a move piece, uh, receiving type player versus Herndon who can play with his hand in the dirt and obviously was a, a playmaker with the ball uh, as a receiver as well. But maybe somebody who has a little bit more dynamic. Like, I want, I want speed. I want mm-hmm. speed on this team. And, yeah. um, Deontay Burnett's probably their best quote unquote speed option right now. And he's 170 pounds and I didn't <laughs> think he was very good. So uh, that, that I think if you're looking for a direction, you're either looking for an alpha receiver or you're looking for a shifty, polished, speedy slot receiver and then some speed at tight end. And Jermaine Curse is a, is a free agent. I think you let him walk. He got a lot of targets this year, not a lot of production. Andre Roberts has been unbelievable as a kick returner. I think he deserves a chance to come back. Robbie Anderson, like you said, he he gives them some speed, but more speed, maybe some more size. Yes, uh, yes. is intriguing. Now, Kyle, I have a take. Uh, I, I like takes. You like takes, and I, I I'd be surprised if you disagreed with this. Now they've got this running back thing going with uh, with Elijah McGrath. Elijah McGuire, excuse me. And uh, that's my dude, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he's, he's, he's played well for them. Uh, but how about Le'Veon Bell? I think Le'Veon Bell should be the number one priority for the New York Jets this offseason. $106 million in cap space. And I think you put him into this offense and give that type of a dynamic receiving threat out of the backfield to Sam Darnold, the guy who's really done well to find completions and you get them going. And that's going to be a really, really big layer. I think for the jets offense and Sam Darnold's development moving forward, obviously he gives you a ton as a runner, but that receiving threat, that dynamic, that multifaceted bell cow runner that Le'Veon bell is, that's what I'm doing. I'm going all in on Le'Veon bell. If I'm the New York jets, this offseason. Well, I don't know who Le'Veon Bell is. I know who Le'Meon Bell is. Oh, boy. Is that the same guy? I, you know what I meant there. How do you say it? What did I say? Le'Veon? Le'Veon? No, I'm, make, I'm making a selfish joke and calling oh, him Le'Meon. Okay. Okay. Well, he's oh, – look, he's right. he should be all kinds of motivated and healthy yeah. and ready yeah. to go. So should be plenty healthy. Uh, here's my question. What do you pay him? And here's my concern, because you're going to bring in Bell and you're going to pay a premium for him. And his window as an elite player is diminishing because of his age. And he's had a lot of volume when he's been healthy for Pittsburgh. And you're going to have to pull a rabbit out of your rear end 
with this offensive line group if you're going to be able to set him because he's so patient as a runner, right? Well, patient yeah. runners that don't get holes end up getting tackled in the backfield. So my concern <laughs> is for the investment that you're making, do you have a roster or a depth chart that can maximize that or can you make it that way? Otherwise, you are essentially paying for a receiving back and paying him $15 plus million a year. Well, what if I told you the New York Jets with their top three draft pick that they're going to have, they get Jonah Williams? Okay. What if they go after uh, some of these free agent offensive linemen, Roger Saffold, Ramon Foster, he knows Flavion Bell well, Matthew Paradis, Trenton Brown, Juwan James. Oh, Joe, I, I really think it comes down to if you're the Jets – and you're interested in bringing in Le'Veon Bell, you're going to have to do so with the understanding that we need to allocate, you know, $60 million to figure out our ground game and offensive line. So I think it's a package deal. If you're going to bring in Le'Veon, then I think you have to forsake some of the other holes in your roster and make sure you land at least two of these big fish in the offensive line group, How whoever ends up hitting the market, because you need guys that are going to be able to set up those blocks for Le'Veon. Otherwise, you're paying an egregious amount of money for a guy that's going to be essentially catching passes out of the backfield and averaging 3.8 yards per carry, which I think is a, a misappropriation of your assets. And this is a pretty pivotal time for the Jets. So, you want to bring in Le'Veon, great, but you better go out and spend whatever means necessary to get at least two linemen to come with him. Okay. So I, I'm all in on that top five pick on Jonah Williams, Le'Veon Bell, and a couple of these offensive linemen in free agency and getting this to go with Darnold, especially if we don't really think there's going to be a real opportunity to get some game changers at wide receiver. So, you know, I don't know if Tyrell Williams or Golden Tate or John Brown or Devin Funches. I'd like Golden Tate. He was the guy I wrote down and put a star next to because I yeah, think he compliments this Tate group well. Right, especially for what Sam does. Finding completions. Well, what can Golden Tate do? Separate from the slot and go win at the catch point and win after the catch. Like, I just feel like these are the types of guys. Like, I mean, good Lord, if, if, the, if the Jets get Bell – Tate, Jonah Williams, and a couple of these free agent offensive linemen. I don't. I don't want to deal with that. No, that's um, good, <laughs> especially because their defensive roster is pretty solid right now. Yeah, edge rushers. You no, know? we need some edge rushers now. Yeah, get some edge rushers. But this is good. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna forsake, you know, an edge rusher in the top five, go ahead. Yeah, take take one at thirty five or whatever pick you have in the set. Well, they traded the second round pick, <laughs> yeah, so that hurts. Um, Listen, yeah. maybe they can orchestrate a trade back with either the Giants or the Jaguars yeah. or the Dolphins for a team looking to get up into the those early picks for a quarterback right. and get those mid-round picks back. Now that, I, and then if you're talking Jonah Williams or you miss Jonah Williams, shoot, you can give me Cody Ford. I'd be fine with that. I just did his film the other day, Joe. He's a monster. So there's ways to get this done. That's kind yeah. of the, the, the silver there's lining. Some flexibility here. here for the Jets. Right. So I think it, it, to sum this thing up here, Sam going into the league liked him, thought he had a really good chance to be a franchise quarterback, had some concerns, 
ups and downs as a rookie. You love the peaks late in the season. A couple of times midseason, he showed you why he can be the reason you win games. And there are options. There are angles that the Jets can take to be aggressive in free agency with this $106 million in cap space with a top five draft pick. To to either get a you know get a premium player trade back there there is a lot of opportunity here for the Jets the important piece is identifying that coach right the guy that's going to pair with Sam Darnold moving forward what are you doing with Mac again as as a GM uh, and 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 I think that the Jets uh, can really get this thing going and uh, it's right there in front of them so uh, a lot of encouraging things with Sam Darnold and what the Jets can do moving forward for a team that was four and twelve this year all right now before we wrap. Does any name stand out to you at head coach at all? We did not do this with the Cardinals. I feel like we need to do it for the Jets. Uh, I don't know. I I like a guy. I, I McCarthy kind of pops for me. Um, I I like a coach. I mean, I don't know if Bruce Arians. Nah, definitely not Bruce Arians. I don't want five, seven step drops all the time. Um, what about you? Do you have a name? I mean, McCarthy, I, I think he's he's a proven guy. I don't know if he'll go there. I think McCarthy makes the most sense for Sam. Right. Well, that's what's because you you sit here and think and start talking about the other like fuzzy names. And it's like, you know, Lincoln Riley. And it's like, well, no, no, like that, that ain't going to work. Maybe like Josh McDaniels, but is Josh going to leave New England to go to the Jets? I would after he passed on the Colts gig with Andrew Luck. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So I think McCarthy, McCarthy's listen. Mike got a lot of heat right on his way out the door in Green Bay. Right. Mike's going to be a commodity yeah. here in about a week. Yeah. He's going to be a really, really hot name. Well, yeah, I mean, you talk about uh, the Chiefs with the Bien-Ami, Eric Bieniemy from the, from the Chiefs. You know, I mean, everyone's looking for that next innovative offensive mind. I mean, there's going to be some options out there, but I kind of like the idea of a, of a, of a established coach. Yeah, get a guy, get a guy that you know what you're getting. Right. I think that's, I think that's an underrated component with all the young quarterbacks and head coaches. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, this is two down Joe tomorrow's takes on takes. So we're taking a break in the series and then we're getting back on the train on Wednesday. Talk about Josh Allen. Just got yeah. done ripping the dolphins a new one. Dolphins third string defense. Congratulations. How do you, do you feel good about the win? Victory Monday for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about Sam Darnold today though. Yeah, I know you did. Well, <laughs> the two of us combined had uh, 13 victory Mondays and 32 tries this season. So <laughs> you guys want to know why we're draft guys. <laughs> Here you go. It's uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same, I'm afraid. And uh, I'm at grinding the tape on Twitter. Joe is at the Joe Marino. You guys have takes for takes on takes. You got to get them in ASAP. We're recording uh, early afternoon today on Monday for the Tuesday show. We're going to put it on Twitch at draft network or twitch.tv slash the draft network. So swing over, hang out with us on Twitch. It's New New Year's Eve. You guys are all off from work. Don't act like you're not. Come party with us. Uh, I'll drink something. Seems to be my shtick, and uh, we'll have a good old time. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to the Draft Dudes podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for Takes on Takes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E. 
AV on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.